It's your week, your sports, the new Clarksville Now podcast. I'm John Glass, along with Jeff Matthews and Christian Brown. It's your week, your sports. I'm Jeff Matthews here with Christian Brown. This week, John Glass not with us. He is out for a little under the weather this week, but that's okay. We're going to barrel through some of this awesome stuff that's been going on in some of the high school world and Austin P stuff. At least he can't talk crap about the Kentucky Wildcats while oh, uh, trust me, Christian, if he was here, I'm sure we'd be hearing a lot of rants about uh, the Tennessee Vols. Oh, no doubt. And all it. of NCAA baseball. Now, we will get into yep. some of that baseball topics, but we are going to start off with some of the high school world things. And last week we talked about a locker situation. So the lockers over at Northeast, they needed some lockers. A very kind woman in the community decided to pay for some. And a little bit of weird situation. Yeah, miscommunication between her uh, head football coach, then also the school district. Uh, school district never signed off on the acquisition of the lockers in the first place, and they never committed to pay for reimbursement uh, charges. But you know, she was told by a coach that she would get that money for anything. It's one of those things. It's it, I mean, it just got caught up in a. Uh you know, a policy situation where some some people have to be notified before things can be bought and funds can be used. And unfortunately, it's just one of those situations where it just didn't fall through the right hands at the yep. time. But just miscommunication in my right. eyes, too, you know. You know, and that's exactly what it is. But those lockers did end up getting paid for. Hawkins Homes stepped in. Yes, sir. So Hawkins Homes reached out to Clarksville now and we connected them with CC Urales, and they ended up paying her $4,000 for the lockers just to reimburse her and for her troubles because they realized she went to extraordinary measures to provide lockers to those children. Yeah, these kids didn't have any lockers. Yeah. And, you know, there was a point made that some of these kids were having things stolen out of, I'm assuming, their piles yeah. of belongings that they had uh, at, at the school. And so these lockers bring just that extra comfort for some of these kids, one. And then two, every sports team needs lockers. Yeah, I mean, that's something definitely. that we should always be focusing on. And the school is focusing on that. They have come out and they said that these lockers are great. They're going to last for us from here and into the future. And they already, I think they said that they do have plans yeah. to already do renovations at Northeast. So basically they'll be building a new uh, athletics facility where the football team will have a locker room. In addition, those lockers will be moved from their current locker room to that facility that will be built in the future. That's awesome. So, yeah. I mean, look, it all played out in the in the end, and that's what matters. That's exactly my thought process too, Jeff. You know, I don't. Everybody wins now. Yeah. Cece Uralis was the last, you know, domino that had to fall, and she was paid. She got paid back, and you know, out of respect for Hawkins Homes, Cece and her family actually uh, provided dinner to the uh, owners of Hawkins Homes. That's awesome. So they, I think it was a roast dinner, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to double check. But how amazing is that? You it's know? perfect. Like I said, it plays out all in the end. Yeah. The kids get the lockers and uh, CC's not out $4,000. Exactly. And look, shout out to CC. Huge, awesome th- deed done for these students. And then on top of that, Hawkins Homes coming to the rescue in a situation that is it's unfortunate that it had to happen that way. But, it, you know, hey. Yeah, there's proper channels you have to go through, but, you know, I think it's a learning experience for the community, uh, as well as CC, and that's something she has had admitted to me. 
So uh, it's just amazing to see how this played out. And the locker room saga has come to a close. Yeah, we've been battling this for about three, four weeks now. Yeah, yeah. Maybe probably, even longer. Probably a full month, yeah. I think, uh, after all the background information I had to research while developing the article. And, uh, you know, it's just been a really interesting turn of events. Yeah, well, hey, shout out to Northeast. I know they're looking forward to uh, their football season. It's going to be starting up here in uh, August, I believe, is when the season starts. August 15th, I believe, is the first game. Okay. Uh, I might be... No, that should be correct. Yeah. August 15th. I am so ready Everybody's for high pumped. school football. Oh, man, I've missed football. Yeah, I, I mean... mean I'm a big baseball fan. Oh, yeah, of course. Love baseball. I love all sports right. year-round, but football holds a special That's place true. in my Especially heart. Especially in Tennessee. Tennessee yeah. football just means a little it's, bit It's more. just a little bit different in Montgomery County as well. I think every sport is, and that's something we talked about And you before. know, and you and I have talked about it, and John, uh, we've talked about hopefully this summer we'll have some coaches in, yeah. maybe a couple players, depending on how things kind of turn out. Definitely. Maybe have some people in here and we can talk about the upcoming season. And then during season, who knows, we may be able to get some insight as the season progresses. So make sure you guys are tuning in to your week, your sport because there might be some pretty cool uh, developments made. No doubt about it. Well, all right, let's move on over into the Austin P world. Now, we are going to stick with baseball. Now, baseball did just end, well, not too long ago. It's been a couple weeks now. Yeah. But Austin P baseball have now signed two new players to the roster for the 2023-2024 season. That is huge. And you know why it's huge? Because this is something we've talked about for weeks again. The Govs needed help yes with their pitching staff well not pitching only, rotation rather. right now the pitching staff they i feel like the pitching staff has done very well oh yeah the yeah governors, but they have had a lot of struggles with starting pitchers going deep into games one thing that you know you and i have talked about well and i've talked about it on the podcast is austin p they come out their pitcher usually goes about one or two innings that was kind of the name of the game for them later in this half that half season of uh, conference play the governors just really struggled with getting pitchers momentum and yep. really the bullpen struggled as well because you were, he was Roland Fanning the head coach was using those pitchers pretty quickly yeah yeah and you know the stamina will wear out quickly yeah. if you're consistently using everybody right. on you know, well, especially if you're going three, a full yeah. three game series, and that happens, and then on top of that, your Tuesday night game that the governors play also has that. Yeah, your your bullpen will just burn up quickly, and yeah. you know, they announced the addition of two recruits, one being a right handed pitcher from uh, what was it, Connor State College? Yeah. From Connor State College, walking in with a 2.49 ERA. He was also a uh, National Junior College Athletic Association D1 All-American. Yeah, so Luke Rowland. And the thing about this is they're getting someone, the ERA is a great stat. But also he struck out 124 batters in 76 innings pitched. That's absurd. This guy is dangerous. Yeah. He's going to be dangerous on the mound. I'm excited for him to get in. Um Going 124 strikeouts in 76 innings, that is... It's absurd. I mean, it's kind of a crazy stat. And I think you and I did the math. What was it? 124 strikeouts in 221 uh, like at uh, outs? Yeah, yeah. I think something we, like that. Something along those lines. Um, insane stat line. He is going to be, I think, a great addition for yeah. the governors. And then on top of that, you have people coming into the system. We've talked about DJ Merriweather coming yeah. in, and he is a dual threat. Those I are mean, two guys immediately who can make an impact. It is. And depending on DJ Merriweather, because I feel like Merriweather really is 
he can be in the field and he can also be on the rubber. Exactly. So, a left-handed pitcher, too. Right. And so uh, I'm interested to see, because he's left-handed, is he going to take a, a pitcher's route or is he going to be in the field a little bit more? I don't know. Because you, he can you, do both. You can put him anywhere. Right. Like, he he was the Shohei Otani the past two seasons <laughs> of Montgomery County High School baseball, basically. It'll be fun to see what... Uh, Merriweather does. Yeah, but another- and re- real quick too. Yeah. Just to, sorry to interrupt no, you, but no. Luke Rowland, like when you have someone who can make batters miss in any kind of circumstance of the game, right? Like that's huge, and that it will is. play such a pivotal role next year for the Gov. So I'm just excited to see you know how this pitching rotation kind of builds up from this past year. Only way up, right? Yep. I mean, you know, they they had some success last season. They did very well last yep. season. There was a few few games where, you know, the pitching was not ideal. But I think in the conference tournament, it really was surprising at points. Yeah, you know, a little and, bit. And I know the last game, that or the second to last game they did play, you know, it was a heartbreaker. Right. But, you know, I think it was a really good building block. It was. Also, we got to remember, it was Roland Fanning's first season. Exactly. And, he, and that doesn't necessarily excuse losses in the in its entirety, but it, it is a, there is a learning curve when you have new coaches come yeah. in. Like you, I don't think you can expect the world um, in the first year, yeah. unless it's a, a crazy hire, like unless Tim Corbin ended up becoming the head exactly. coach for the Austin P. Governors. It, you know what I mean? Like one of those hires, yeah, you would kind of expect big gains, but... He showed he can be successful too. Right. That first half of the season, unbelievable. It I was, mean, they yeah, were riding for first in the, at yeah. one point, and on top of that, they were averaging ten uh, ten runs a that's, game. That again, that's back, insane. Stat. That's absurd. That's a crazy. <laughs> stat. But what was crazy was when they were averaging ten runs a game. It felt like every single game was a high scoring game for both sides yeah. of the plate. Like it felt that's like even teams that they were playing, they were still allowing some runs. Ten plus runs the when they're scoring ten plus runs. Right. And yeah. I think then then so you definitely have the pitching problems. Yep. And that is where Luke Rowland is gonna save some of that. I think he's gonna be a nice starting exactly pitcher right. for the Govs. But then on top of that, in the infield, Brody Zako, who comes from Fort Scott Community College, had twenty seven home runs last season. This guy is now coming to the governors for the next season, and I mean, you could never be mad about adding some bats. He packs a punch. Especially with Clayton Gray graduating. That's that a good adds point, a, Jeff. that adds a replacement bat for the Govs. That's a great point. And the thing about it is also this I think Brody stands at five foot eleven. He's not that tall. No, but he has that powerful swing. Yeah, so almost Jose Altuve ooh, type situation. Ooh. A lot of power in that bat. Yeah. Now I'm not a Jose Altuve fan, but so let's let's make a bet. Do you think he hits hmm, over ten home runs? For the Govs? Oh, for the Govs? I think he's hitting more in the 15-16 range. I would love to see that. Yeah, I think I have him over 15 home runs on okay, the season. Okay, okay, Now, will he hit almost 30? I don't know. That would I be... I want him to. I, I would love to see that, Jeff. <laughs> I feel like it's really hard to ask for nearly 30 home he's runs. He's probably going to hear this season. podcast and be like, what are they expecting yeah. from These me? These Clarksville guys don't joke around. <laughs> we have high expectations right when you get into the program. Yeah, I expect you to beat Vanderbilt in the NCAA tournament <laughs> next year. All right? That's just the bottom line. Watch it me. happen now. I know, right? Wouldn't that be crazy? Oh, my gosh. That would be insane. Yeah. Austin Peace Sports... 
is exciting. Yeah. Soccer going to kick things off for us in the fall. Yep. That's cool. If you want to check out one of those games, uh, make sure to go to Let's Go P.com. You can I, grab some tickets. I believe they just announced the volleyball schedule as well. Yeah, that's coming up. So the volleyball has the indoor season and the uh, beach volleyball season. Yeah. And those are kind of both in the fall. And then, well, I'm sorry, not both in the fall. I believe it's indoors in the fall and then beach volleyball in the spring i think yeah that, that sounds right yeah, definitely like i said go to let's go p.com you can grab some of those tickets and we are going to switch over into the national realm of things now a couple of things to talk about here first things first nate landweir now we always speak highly of nate landweir and as we should he is a one heck of a fighter unfortunately did come up with a loss yes sir so uh nate landweir went the distance Against oh, yeah. Danny Ige, but he lost by decision. Uh, it was a tough pill to swallow, uh, you know, for Nate and myself who lost, you know, a couple hundred dollars on on the <laughs> on the betting line. But that's besides the point, everybody. Okay, so we don't have uh, to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So I think it came down to missed opportunities. Okay. Uh, you look at the stats from the fight. Uh, Danny Ige landed eighty-eight total strikes. Okay. Uh, that's a forty. That was at a forty-eight percent margin. Uh, comparing that to Nate, he only landed seventy-four total strikes, and he only laid, landed thirty-eight percent of those. Okay, out of the total strikes he took, uh, Nate was also zero for four on takedowns. Which you know previously we said that's going to be a huge uh, factor for him to take advantage of going into the fight. And he couldn't just, he couldn't take advantage of that. And I think Danny was expecting him to really focus and harness in on that. Right. And you know, that props to Danny for really like practicing, uh, you know, takedown defense and things like that. Uh, significant strikes. Every single strike Danny gay landed was a significant strike. 88 out of 88. Wow. So, you know, and that speaks to the level of, you know, He's a top thirteen fighter. Well, you know, and I was going to bring that up too. And Nate Landwehr, and I kind of, I kind of mentioned this to you a little bit. And although I think it's true on a slight level, it's not the whole story, obviously. Yeah. But I, I don't necessarily believe this fight was designed for Nate Landwehr to win. Yeah. Um, do I think he had a great chance to? Absolutely. And I think you know, taking a fight the distance in the UFC, especially up against a top thirteen fighter. That's something to also yeah. kind of hang your head up on, right? Definitely. Um, but you got to look at it. Dan Ige coming off of two losses. Nate Landwehr coming up through the ranks. Ige is still ranked 13 even after those losses. Well, he, he was coming off a KO before that, True. though. Oh, you're right. Excuse yeah, me. But still. But he still had those two losses on his record. And I think for a little bit, I think Dan Ige was kind of worried that he might be losing that ranking Uh that ranking spot. I think you're right. And, and you so know, I think this fight was just just designed for Nate Landwehr to come in. Not necessarily, obviously, this fight does not eliminate Nate Landwehr from continuing in the UFC. Yeah, it's not one no, of those types of situations. Because he still went the distance after getting Correct. knocked down. And it was a down. great fight. Yeah. I mean, like he, like, I mean, Nate Landwehr made him suffer, let's right. be honest. Yeah. And, you know, significant strikes actually looking like at this as well. 74 significant strikes out of 74 total strikes. So they both made each other, they just punished each other they overall. Did. Now, Dan Ige did have a couple of hits where it was visibly noticeable that Landweir kind of got roughed up on. Yeah. And he kind of Including that one bit. knockdown. Right. Well, yeah, he did get the knockdown. Um, only time is going to really tell what's going to happen with yeah. Nate Landweir. I really do believe that he will be in the top 15 at one point. I think so, too. The I Caceres think. The fight, I think, is now. 
I think that's like a heavy favorite for that to happen. It should. It, it, is Caceres ranked? I don't. I think after drop? speaking with John, it sounded like he's not. It sounded like he dropped out of that top 15 spot he after he pulled out of the Nate Landwehr fight. So Nate Landwehr would probably go to fight Caceres. And then after yeah. that, who's? I wonder who's going to be holding the 15 spot now. Because we'll maybe that's the fight. Yeah, we'll have to double down on that because, you know, it, that's a good point, Jeff. He still has three fights left on his contract, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So... I don't know. He has time. I yeah. mean, three fights, that's enough to do a lot of damage. Yeah, and, and you know, he Nate actually posted on Instagram following his loss. He was very positive, you know. he Again, he's fighting the number 13th ranked fighter in the world at the featherweight division in the UFC. So it, it speaks volumes to how he's even managed to get there, what kind of person and fighter he is. He's an electrifying fighter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm... I'm interested to see where it goes from here. Yeah, like I said, he I, I think he'll be in the top 15 in no time. I think you're right. And the thing about it is, I want to say this real quick. I would take Nate Landwehr against Dean Ige going into that matchup 10 out of 10 times. I think so, too. Like, I think all of us... He was were, riding the momentum. Yep. Dean Ige had lost two out of his last six. Or lost four out of his last six, rather. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm actually surprised. But at the same time, like you said, he was... Dean Ige probably felt desperate. Yeah. So trying to just go with a, a fighter that's just right outside of those rankings just to you know, just kind of keep him there just for a little bit longer is what it seemed like. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up, though, is the um, the other prospect of that conversation is that it was really quick. It was quick after his last fight. The last two fights have been were really close together, I guess. Yeah, he's fought two He's fought twice in the UFC since the beginning of January. Right. That's a very short time period. It is. He didn't take a lot of damage, but at the same time, camp takes right. a toll on you. It, camp takes a toll on you. And then on top of that, was he not in a new camp for this one? I think he had. Or he went to the camp, or he started that camp he's, prior to his last yeah, fight. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. And then he had this one throughout that. Yeah, and okay. he's been away from his family. There's a lot of takeaways from this. There's a lot to unpack. Uh, I think... Looking at whoever he fights next during his next bout, he's got a lot to prove. We're definitely looking forward to seeing what Nate Landwehr is going to do in the UFC. We're going to see a lot more of him. He still has those three fights left on his contract. Just a matter of time. We are going to go ahead and jump into some NCAA baseball, University of Tennessee. Moving on to Omaha, they have a game coming up against LSU that's going to be on Saturday. Yeah, so LSU's coming off a win against my Kentucky Wildcats just absolutely dominated them. Props to LSU and their program, you know. I think that just speaks to the level of, you know, just how accomplished SEC baseball is. It's just so good. Yeah. It's just good. We're seeing good ball. We're seeing uh, good sportsmanship. I feel like we've seen some decent um, sportsmanship amongst the fans. Haven't seen too much drama. I feel like the College World Series has brought a lot of drama the past few years. Yeah. And... I mean, we hear a lot about the Vandy Whistlers, and yeah, it feels like uh, feels like that hasn't really been going on much this year. I feel like the drama's coming from the actual, you know, NCAA. Yeah, that's true. You know, the way they've handled, you know, delays. It has been probably, as far as tournament setup goes, it has been probably one of the worst. Yeah. Um, a lot of people disagreed with Tennessee not receiving the host site yeah. uh, against Southern Miss. Whether you agree with that or not, um, 
at the end of the day, Knoxville didn't have much of a chance of rain. Southern Miss did. Yeah. Um, and that was a huge one. Uh, yeah. So Tennessee ended up getting a delay. LSU had a huge delay on that second game. I believe Which they had to wait around for like six hours. Drove me crazy. I mean, I think they were supposed to start at one o'clock. Didn't start until like seven. Yeah. Like something long, unacceptable long those lines. almost. Yeah. yeah. Especially at like this level. Like I get it. You can say like this is college ball. Yada yada yada. Uh, it's NCAA Division One. You are at the College World, or you are in the tournament to go to the College World Series. And whether we like it or not, there is millions upon millions upon millions of dollars that goes into this tournament, and we can't we we can't get schedules right. No, we can't get you know we can't get uh, host sites right. They just need to be more efficient with planning. I think that's what it comes down to. Like going back to what you just said, you know, Tennessee Knoxville didn't have a good chance of rain while Southern Miss on the other hand did. Uh, but also I think that played at a Tennessee's advantage playing in road territory. I think they came out with something to prove Yeah, not only to themselves, but to the NCAA like, okay, you want to do that? Well, well, here's the thing with Tennessee. I feel like every year they feel like they have to have something to prove. And then every year they kind of fall short. Yeah. That's been Tennessee's motive. Now I am hoping that it's different this year. Um, they just, they've had a lot of success the past few games. They just can't let some of that get to them. No. About some of that, uh, maybe those extra thoughts that you get. The, the thoughts of like, why did they not give us that host side? You can't let that kind of drama get no. to you when you're a player. And I don't think it did. No, not at all. It, again, they use it to the motivation. Uh, now, look look at where they're at, you know. About to, they're, well, they're on their way to the Collins World Series. So four games are about to be played on uh, between... Now in Saturday, Wake Forest is going to play Stanford, Florida playing Virginia, LSU playing Tennessee, and Oral Roberts, who beat Oregon, which was kind of a little bit of a shocker. Wow. Insane, right? Yeah. Uh, Oral Roberts is going to go up against uh, Texas Christian. You know what we should do real quick? We mm-hmm. should take make a prediction on each game. Okay. So you want to start with Wake Forest and Stanford? Yeah. So I think Wake Forest wins that one 2-1. So I'm going to take Stanford. And Let me write this down. Yep. Write it down. All right, here we go. So Jeff, you owe me uh, a sweet tea from McDonald's if I get more games right, and I don't know what do I owe you. Um, ooh, what do I want? I will take a number one with a large sweet tea from oh. Chick Fil A. Oh, well, I didn't realize we were doing food. <laughs> Look, if you're gonna ask me what I want, I'm gonna go. <laughs> you're gonna be honest or something, right? <laughs> what did you say? Stanford at what? Stanford. Just straight up. Oh, just Stanford for the win? Yep. Okay, okay, we'll just do wins. Yep. I won't do scores then. Okay. All right, Florida, Virginia. <sighs> Give me some of that SEC action. I'll take oh, Florida. Oh, you want Florida? Yeah. Man. I think for me, if, oh, man. I got to go Florida with that one, too. I can't. Okay. I can't. I got to let. We got to tie Hey, that that's one. okay. That's All right, okay. LSU, Tennessee. We got to go with Tennessee. I'm going to go LSU, actually. You're gonna go LSU okay. just because you okay. know, we know Kentucky's. John, we know who John's gonna pick. Yeah, Kentucky's no slack, and let's be That's honest, true. LSU absolutely dominated them. LSU did that first game went fourteen yeah. to zero. The second game eight to three. It was kind of a plus look. I mean, LSU had nine hits, eleven strikeouts yeah. on the mound. My like, favorite pitcher is from LSU. Oh, who's your favorite pitcher? Aaron Nola. Philadelphia okay. Phillies. Okay. Yeah, that's not a bad pitcher. No, so you know he was a first round pick back in the day. You know. I love them. All right. Oral Roberts, TCU. 
I'm going to go with the upset. You have to ride the underdog, in my or opinion. Roberts, yeah. Dude, like, for the sake of our betting game, I'll put TCU for okay. me. But yeah, I think. The I odds are in your favor, but yeah, yeah. I'm always going to ride the underdog. Yeah, it would be so cool if, if Oral Roberts makes it to the College World Series. Would that not be insane? Man. That'd be awesome. I may have to it make a It makes me excited little, just thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, I may have to throw down like a $10 bet on Oral Roberts, too, just to oh, yeah, prove just a to, point. Just to put a little yeah. grease on the fire. Exactly. I'm, like all about, I'm all about greasing up a fire, Jeff. <laughs> greasing up the fire. Speaking of that LSU-Tennessee game, let's take a quick look at what happened uh, this past game against Southern Miss with the, the Tennessee Volunteers were able to win and then moved into uh, where they're at now. So on the mound, it uh, looks like Chase Burns got the start. However, Drew Beam came in and he got the win. He got uh, he went six innings pitch, only allowed seven hits, zero runs, seven strikes out, strikeouts. He only walked one as well. Wow. Yeah. Efficient. Efficient. Exactly. The uh, Austin, uh, not Austin P. Tennessee Vols finished with six hits, 12 strikeouts on their roster, and uh, they did leave six stranded on the bases. So Man. that could be something to watch out for as they come into this uh, season or this game against LSU. There's always room to grow, and that's a great point to make, Jeff. You know, they, they definitely got runners on base, but they need to take more advantage of that if they right. want to make it and win the college baseball. Well, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, small ball. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, dude, I love when a nice bunt is laid. Oh, I was and it's a literally. Bunt. Oh, man. Oh, man. You're and speaking you, my kind of language, and Jeff. And you advance all your runners. Yes. Oh, don't, even, don't even get me wrong if there's a runner on first and second and you lay one down perfectly down first base and both runners get over. How about a suicide squeeze? I get goosebumps. I love small ball. Especially like a hit and run. Yeah. Like a small hit and run. Dude. Oh. Except that. that playing CPU on the show. <laughs> I hate that. Drives me crazy. It's but thing ever. I still respect it. I'm like, okay, even though you're a computer, I respect you. So one thing also <laughs> Tennessee had during this past game against Southern Miss, Zane Denton had a three-run home run in the fifth inning, brought in Christian Moore and Maui uh, Ahuna. Maui Ahuna also had a home run for that game as well, homered in the seventh. That was the last uh, for the Tennessee Volunteers okay. as far as scoring. Okay. So looking pretty strong. They have yeah. some strong bats. They have always had some really good hitters on that team. And their pitch, their pitching. Yeah. Rotation's just amazing too. I mean, yeah, you know, like I said, Drew consistently. Beam. Drew Beam going six innings in relief. Think about it. He didn't get the start. He went in as relief and then went six. That speaks volume about you know just being able to adapt. I, I've I've said it so many times. Longevity is so important when it comes to starting pitching. Not even starting, just pitching in general. You True. know, relief or starting. Well, and you know, there's a theory. There's a some people. I have seen some people talk about the theory of using relief pitchers as your starting pitcher and then having a starting pitcher. Yeah, pitch in relief. You know, which meaning like you go a couple innings with one pitcher, and then your starting pitcher comes in. Yeah. and goes with his. Like and you see that distance. a lot in with injuries in the MLB. You yeah. know, I know I'll speak on the Phillies real quick. You know, if they have someone that goes on injured reserve, you know they'll have a player in their that's a relief pitcher come in, start the game, go for maybe two to three innings. Then they'll use up their bullpen. Uh, I haven't really seen a starting pitcher make that transition, but I either. sometimes they just become a relief pitcher out of that oh oh man what is that gentleman's name he pitched for the braves sean newcomb oh sean great New- great example yeah sean newcomb oh I'm, man he really kind of fell off the map but little well now yes yeah. but when he was i guess prime sean newcomb during the braves we'll put it that way his rookie season Pretty i think much. it was yeah i think you're right um great pitcher took his uh he we used him in the playoffs he pitched very well next season uh, he, I don't want to say he fell off the map, but he didn't play well. 
And so he went into that relief pitcher position. And he did well. He was one of my favorite relief pitchers because, well, one, I think he's a starting pitching mind that is relief pitching. And he can go the distance and he can put those pitches in there strategically. I feel like relief pitchers focus a lot on speed. Yeah. Right? Sean Newcomb, I think, did a great job of moving the ball. Yep. Control. I think think that is exactly what that is. I mean, it's just somebody who is a good starting pitcher, but after some time and after maybe falling off a little bit, is that maybe the best way to put it? I think so. Um, Just finds a new role, but ends up still having that success. Yeah. Yeah. But then also falling off again. But respectfully. Respectfully. (laughs) Respectfully. You know... That's one of the things that drives me crazy about the Braves. I feel like they always develop those young arms, mm-hmm. you know, consistently. Like, And it drives me crazy as a Phillies fan. Well, at one point, the Braves did have the best farm system yeah. in Major League. I don't know if that's still true. I mean, um, when you have uh, but I mean, let's possibly be the best pitcher in baseball at 24 years old. My with, boy, Spencer Strider. Yeah, like, that's pretty absurd. And Bryce Elder. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's I mean, he's really showing are, off now, too. Braves pitching staff is looking really good. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. It'll never be Maddox, no. Glavin, Smoltz. No. I I don't know. That's holding. That's holding. Uh, I, I think the only thing that even compares to that is when the Phillies had Roy Halladay, Cliff Lee, Roy Oswalt, uh, you know, just those names, man. Man. You got to love I, good I, pitching I, Again, rotations. it doesn't compare to Schmoltz yeah. in that set. That was but, just such a weird yeah. and incredible, uh, almost like... Surreal. Yeah, like not real. Fantasy type yeah. pitching rotation. That's like if you play MLB The Show and you go to a fantasy draft and you draft this roster. That's what it seems like, honestly. It does, yeah, for real. That's your gold team. Yeah, you're literally. Well, look, a lot of cool stuff going on. NCAA baseball continuing. Uh, like I said, Tennessee Vol is going to be playing LSU come Saturday night at 7 p.m. I want to throw out one just bet of the day real quick. Um so Justin Verlander with the Mets and Garrett Cole with the Yankees are facing off tonight. That'll be a good game. So I think my favorite thing about this, I would bet under 0.5 runs in the first inning. And that is set at minus 140. Okay. I think that's guaranteed money, but you never know with those high-powered offenses. So don't blame me if you lose the bet. Justin Verlander comes out there, gives up a couple home runs. You know, he's just... He's kind of lost his edge this year a little bit. Well, I never want to bet against him, though, too, at the same I mean, time. He is 40. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, he, he's kind of up and there. He, and he plays for the Mets now. And the Mets have had some pitching struggles already. Max Scherzer getting in trouble. Yep. Who was it that just got in trouble? Oh, Did you see that? I'm not sure. Another guy just got ejected by the Mets Well, yesterday. the Yankees have had that same problem. Yeah, I mean, you a know? lot of people do. Those New York teams. I, I don't know what it is, but they <laughs> are ruining it for everybody else. All right, y'all. I'm Jeff Matthews. Christian Brown here with you. Appreciate you guys listening. Hopefully we'll have John Glass back next week. Should be no problem. Y'all have a fantastic rest of your week. Bye. Sayonara.